What you sipping on over there? My victory whiskey. Only the best takes can come from EJ's whiskey. Crusade Podcast, episode 100-something. I am your host today, Nick Durheim, and joining me, as always, is Chris Gillyfor. Hello, sir. Hacha. Doing it without EJ this week. Sorry, EJ. We love you very, very much. Doing it without our, our, our tall adult son. We wanted to offer viewers uh, 65% less screaming uh, this week, just as a treat. Viewers, that's even funnier. Nobody will see this. So, since we have to hold off on our Metroid discussion... We want to talk a little bit about some of the news that's happened in the past week, which is pretty light, as is usual. I mean, most of the time it's not going to be super intense unless it's summertime with E3 stuff or Game Awards. You know, right? it's ideal for there to be a lot of big news happening all around the same time. I don't like it when it's sort of scattershot throughout the year. But we still have plenty of things to uh, get happy about and talk about as far as not really news because it's it's things that we've already known about, but it's showing it in a new way. It's mostly just talking about advertising at this point. So Chris, <laughs> we have to talk about, I'm assuming you watched this trailer for Zelda, right? Oh, hell yeah. I ate it up. I didn't know if you would be at the point where you're like, do not show me anymore. Just give me the game. Cause there are plenty of people who are like that, who think that watching this trailer is showing spoilers, which Drew. is totally understandable. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things shown in this trailer that would be extremely hype to see it for the first time you know, 20 hours into a video game that you've been playing. But what's your, what's your sort of uh, view on trailers and the, I don't know, advertising hype cycle prior to a game or a movie or really anything that is trying to be sold to you? How, how do you sort of uh, square that circle and think about it in the way of uh, spoilers in particular? I'm kind of here for watching whatever. I, I, I will avoid like plot leaks. I'll avoid like leaked screenshots. I'll avoid stuff like that, but I kind of feel like it's your job to sell me on this game. And like, obviously I was going to buy Zelda specifically anyway, but I, I want to be sold something in advertisement. And if it ends up being a bill of goods, then that's something for me to reflect on later. Like I know that in like every MCU property at this point, like you're going to give me a lot of the really big stuff in every trailer I'm going to expect that that's going to be the really big stuff. And I'm not going to expect to have like a whole hell of a lot on top of that. It still disappoints me when it happens, but at least I know that. Uh, but with Zelda in particular, I was, I, I kind of felt like we needed this trailer a little bit. And we've talked about it on this, this podcast that we're sitting there and going, so we don't really still don't have really any idea what the story's about. We still don't really have any idea about, the changes to the world and like EJ said something, which is a little pejorative that I don't like super agree with of like, what have they been doing for six years? Um, but I think they answered a lot of those things in a, in a pretty big way. And I don't know if you were feeling similarly, but I think that we both agree that this was a hell of a trailer and I'm, I'm eager to hear what you thought about it. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this, uh, the last time, well, it was at the, it was in the February direct when they showed, they ended with that other Zelda trailer, which was, I think, was at that point the third or possibly even fourth trailer for the game. And that was a disappointing trailer because it didn't show anything new and exciting. And it wasn't a grandiose sort of uh, look at the game like this was. 
And even the gameplay, I wouldn't call it a trailer, but just the gameplay walkthrough that we had with Aonuma yeah. a few weeks ago, I thought that was more revealing to what I'd be doing in the day, like the moment to moment gameplay. And that was something else that I wanted to see. But for this trailer in particular, this trailer sort of makes good on the extremely impactful trailer that we saw in January before uh, Breath of the Wild came out. Yeah. Where it was not about the promise of what the gameplay was, because at that point, that was a year, you know, well, six months after E3, where we had an hour long showing of what the gameplay was for the game. So there was nothing that we're, we were discovering in the trailer. It wasn't about what they were showing. It was about the way they showed it and getting fans excited and happy. And I now we have this anticipation for a month from now when Zelda comes out. Before that, it was like, oh, it's going to be cool when Tears of the Kingdom drops. But now it's like I'm counting down the weeks when it comes out. That, that's what this trailer was, was doing. It was building excitement. And I like that. I like to be excited about things. <laughs> No, I agree. I it 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 gave me goosebumps and uh, just sort of, you know, we've been sitting here and going. And Drew, if you're listening, spoilers for the Zelda trailer. I know that you're a guy who avoids a lot of them, so we're going to talk about some specifics now. And you should uh, you should skip this part if you don't want to hear them. Well, just how about, how about just like totally broad view at the trailer first, so Drew can can listen to this part. It was nice to see a lot of familiar faces. It was nice to get a little bit more of a sense of what is the journey of this game? How is that journey distinct from Breath of the Wild? And also, again, to just keep feeding my like squirrel brain of Skyward Sword connection conspiracy theories where I'm sort of like, oh, man, like this is this is totally what I thought it was going to be, at least at this moment in time. I think so. Yeah, it was very sizzly. It was very sizzly. For sure. Yeah. And I think the thing. That I've seen I've watched the trailer probably like four or five times at this point. Like it's it is one of those kinds of trailers where you can just put it on and you will you will feel something. And I think the thing that did it that the last trailer didn't have was the music. Yeah. This was a scored trailer. The choices that they made were so distinct and they followed through with them. And every it's gonna sound stupid, but this trailer has like movements. It goes from place to place musically. And it's reflected in the the action that you're seeing on screen, the gameplay tidbits, the voiceover, all of that sort of feeds into this broad sort of musical piece. And it's going to be crazy because this music is probably not like this, the song, the way it's all put together, like parts of it will be in the game. But the music from the Breath of the Wild trailer wasn't, wasn't in, in the, the game. game. Yeah. Like that is a distinct song. And it was so powerful and distinct that fucking Sakurai put it in Smash Brothers. Like that is an important piece <laughs> of Zelda media. And yeah. that to me is just funny. Like that, the marketing of this game is important enough to create a distinct song for it. So I'm really excited about just the music and just thinking about it. That's the thing that sticks out to me. I mean, obviously you and I, I think, agree on this, that music is so impactful and so important. Oh, yeah. And we're both drawn to the music in video games. And that's my big takeaway is the music. And yeah, seeing characters like that's my one sort of gripe about the original Breath of the Wild teaser and like the trailer, the final, like not the launch trailer, but like the last trailer before the game came out was it sort of made some promises that I don't think the game itself actually kept with regard to, oh, what is happening with the story? I mean, we get this extremely emotional scene of Zelda crying into Link's arms, her like confessing her failure and her like having that emotional moment. But that wasn't really part. That wasn't the point of the game like they had that it was in the game but it was not the point of the game so i, I get a little bit of tinges of that here but 
I guess we can talk about that more spoilery when we when we get to it. This feels distinctly different to me because of the fact that we know we're going to be in real time and that we didn't really know when we saw those uh, specific clips that it was going to be uh, that that's like a flashback to the the fall of Hyrule 100 years ago. Um, cause I would, I remember that trailer, like it's seared into my brain of just like, Oh my God, like this is amazing. And then it's like a flashback that just happens at whatever point you happen to collect that memory through the course of, right. for me, what was like a 290 hour experience. Uh, cause I have a sickness called Coroxine hunting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, Oh, I don't know how much more, how much more vague I can be. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive actually into specifics then, because I can I can see that you're struggling to I'm put your put your thoughts into words. I, I am. It's just it's yeah, it's so specific. So, all right, Drew, disclaimer number two, he, here there be spoilers. Uh, turn back ye who do not want to enter. We finally got to see the dwarf man himself in all of his kind of looking still a little bit like demise from Skyward Swordness. Couple of my friends made fun of me, or sort of like, oh, like demise. That's cool. Like, yeah, it's it's Ganon. Like, that's super cool. And they were like, well, that's that's demise, Chris. Like, that's that's not getting. I'm like, fuck off. Like, yeah, yes, it is. Like, they they created language for it later. What the Hylians came to call Ganon, or Calamity Ganon, or whatever came later. But it's the same. It's the same fucking thing. It's the same fucking thing. And like, nobody could tell me otherwise. Um. So we got to see him and in, in, in uh, a number of times we got, of course, like the full like front shot of him after he's like rehydrated his wrinkly corpse. Um, but seeing all the different shots from behind of all the energy like flowing out of his head and just like the, the, the skin tone of the body and everything. I'm like, I really think this is like a re a re restart of like the seal of the goddess and demise and all that story just based on seeing like Ganondorf again, finally, which made me so fucking excited because this was the first game in a minute that didn't have Ganondorf. Breath of the Wild was. And I really liked that because Calamity Ganon felt like such a bigger, more overwhelming force. But I'm excited to have him back again. Like, he's he is the antagonist that you want to see. It's like it's like Ridley. Like, you've got to have Ridley if you're going to do a Metroid <laughs> game. And if you're not going to have Ridley, you, you need to make a damn good reason not to, a.k.a. giving us Kraid and Metroid Dread or Ravenbeak, which is still the best fucking... Final boss fight. Final in boss, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so Dorf. Ganondorf is back. He is uh, Persona Non Grata. You say Breath of the Wild was the first in a while that we didn't have Ganondorf, but you could also look at it that this is going to be the first time since 2006 that we have had Ganondorf in a mainline Zelda game or otherwise. I mean, he wasn't in Link Between Worlds. He wasn't in Breath of the Wild. He wasn't in Skyward Sword. He had Demise, like you were talking about, which is like it pretty much is Ganondorf, but is more of like an origin of like that Sort of part of the Triforce, I guess. God, I guess that's true. The curse of the hero and stuff. So this is quite a return then. Yeah, it's a return and I love the new design. I don't know if you've seen the key art, the the new key art forum. I'll give you a a link in the Discord chat. Yeah, do. I don't know if I have. And the text from the tweet is the mighty demon king Gandorf returns in the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And of course the quote, do not look away. You witness that king's revival and the birth of his new world. I love how much he looks like a Gerudo. Yeah, I mean, he's got that super sick, like the the jewelry, the Grudo jewelry and stuff, but also like that samurai bun. I mean, he's looking good. He hasn't looked this good since Wind Waker. I mean, say what you will about Twilight Princess. It was just kind of like, yep, that's Ganondorf again. He shouldn't have really been in that game. IMO, like you need to play that game. I do. I do need to play the game. Uh, That looks like a sword sheath on his left hip. Yes, he's definitely holding a sword. He's packing heat. Yeah. (laughs) 
this is great. This, this, all this art is terrific. Yeah. Wow. God, it just, it feels good. It feels good to have that like big antagonist again. And some additional key art. Um, they haven't shown the, uh, the Goron champion, the, the, the young sort of doofus that you had to, uh, escort up the, up the mountain, up death mountain, but they have shown key art of gosh. I can't remember her name is a Regine Rugine, the, uh, young Gerudo prince princess uh queen i don't know oh I can't uh, yeah i don't remember but she's she's aged up a little bit and then they've got uh teba's son who was part of i see it's been so long since i played breath of the wild yeah that right a lot of this is just me gleaning it from various zelda wikis and people talking about these characters but i mean Sidon, we all remember he's just the hot shark man yeah but the uh the rudo being the the prior champion's son because the prior champion was injured and that's actually like part of the plot is that that character like hurts his leg and then he is no longer capable of participating in in the 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 siege on was that va meadow because those all the different uh divine beasts were named after previous uh renowned characters of that race which i thought was that was such a fun little thing seeing you know vanaboris like being naboru and uh, Ruto for Ruto from Ocarina of Time, all that kind of stuff. It's just a lot of good references in Breath of the Wild that I appreciated. And we're going to keep getting them. This seems like this takes place maybe like five or six years in the future. Like it's not like a long time, but it is a direct sequel. And just fighting alongside Sidon in that, that short little clip. Like, oh are we going to be summoning these champions? Are we going to have to like, are we, are we have a party? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. I just, the fact that it looks like you're going to be alongside a number of different folks and uh i am hoping i don't know if i necessarily want like a full-on companion system uh but maybe like something on a cooldown like not unlike the champion's powers from the first game that they will drop in and like fuck shit up alongside you for a little bit and then pour it out even if it's just like a limited sequence which would be kind of disappointing um because it's such an exciting concept to me, it would still be cool to have it for a little bit if it is where they, they're going to really uh, sort of like tightly control when you get to do that. I wonder what that means. Does it mean that are they going to put us in situations where we're really going to need backup? Is this going to be more of a cinematic tool? It made me wonder, which is also something that I would hope that a good trailer would do. It's like, ooh, I see that. What is that going to mean? Right. Yeah. And, and they showed at least one sort of small clip where they had the three uh Gerudo, uh Zora and Rito characters um like lined up and attacking against what is it Gleenox or something like that the big three-headed dragon from Zelda 1 which we had seen in previous uh trailers just sort of very faintly off in the distance but they showed more explicitly in this trailer and it was they showed a lot of cool big big baddies boss monsters big sickos boss monsters that you're going to be that you're going to be fucking up and it didn't look like it did not look like oh these are this game's version of taluses and hinox and that kind of thing no. because we've also seen i mean just that brief shot where link is piloting the little mech the little battle bot towards the encampment of bokoblins on the back of a talus like we're already getting sort of the evolution of those boss monsters and now but now we've got like these real ass three-headed dragon dudes with a name it's going to pop up on the lower third of the screen, you know, Gleenox, Terror of the Peaks or whatever. Like it's going to there's going to be Ocarina of Time homages galore with that kind of thing. That was 
probably the most exciting thing to me because I liked the wind, wind spider sicko. The wind spider sicko. I was like, what the? I paused on that like two or three times, just going like, do I know this boss? Is this a new boss? Because to me, it suggests I don't want to. I don't want to hope. But between big boss monsters and between that one shot of the Gerudo underground and the little lava, the lava area also. Yeah. The lava area. And there's, there's one, one shot of, uh, this big stone structure rising out of the sand in the Gerudo desert that I was like, please tell me this is a dungeon, please. I need this. I need this for my well being. boss monsters stuff rising out of the ground environments that looked very foreign like that you mentioned specifically there was one that looked like it didn't have the same aesthetic of the shrines but uh you were on the paraglider sailing through and there's some like moving platforms oh the death star looking thing yeah and i was like damn like oh please 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 let this be dungeons like god that would be so cool like the low gravity jumping into the the water yeah it seems like there's so many distinct and bespoke little uh (laughs) physics interactions that we get to involve ourselves with. I mean, that was the most fun thing about breath of the wild was their physics system, their alchemy system that they called it the ability to throw a metal spear during a lightning storm towards an enemy so that they get struck by lightning is just, it's something that the last game excelled in. And it looks like they're just sort of expanding that horizon in this, in this game as well. Well, we covered boss monsters. We covered a uh, moment of dungeon Ganondorf unnamed two characters that have not, one of which we have not seen their face and the other looking like a like a like a probably Zonai because they were like the old school barbarian race and they have some very distinct sort of jewelry and like wardrobe choices that sort of evoke that that feeling. Seems like maybe a origin of, of Goddess Hylia sort of thing. Was that the shot of the person the person with all of the, the necklaces and then she holds her hand out and is like blasting like that person. Yes. And she has she has the goddess tear as a necklace as well. I think it's I think that's Zelda. I don't think that's Zelda. Looking at it on hovering on that image a couple of times, I was sort of like it, it feels like a if not her a version of her or a transformation of her, because we see Zelda holding the goddess tear. I'm like, ah, tears of the kingdom, haha, <laughs> you know, like there's our MacGuffin potentially. Um, it felt like th- the goddess tier running Zelda or using her as a vessel, if that makes sense. And we also have this, you know, a cryptic end line of like Link come find me, which is like, is that literal? Is it a geographical that she's somewhere in Hyrule? Is it chronological that she's cast backwards or forwards in time, like in Skyward Sword? Uh, is it that she is lost within the energy of the goddess trying to like take over her body? Like, I, I don't know, but it, to me, it looked like Zelda. Bad ending to the trailer. Regardless, we also have a, a strange character that kind of looks like the other, uh, woman that looks more like Zelda that, uh, appears. If you're watching, if you're on the trailer, if you go to 141, if you scrub over there and you get that slow sort of zoom in shot of this sort of Lizalfos looking character, wonder who that is. That, that person seems uh, important. We've got the voiceover from the guy, the super tall guy that's talking to Zelda in her new, her sick new outfit. I mean, it looks like the vibe I'm getting is Zelda fell down this hole. She was saved by these people. And now she's on her own sort of quest. She is helping these people who helped her. And they both acknowledge her and this uh, strange figure acknowledge that Link holds the key to destroying Ganondorf because he has the sword of evil's bane. 
Yeah. And like, that is what the master sword does. Like they, they even mentioned that like he wields the master sword. He wields that, that weapon. And that's like sort of a classic Zelda, you know, it's like, that's every Zelda story basically is the combating of the Triforce. Just having everyone, all the Triforce wielders in one game again, like it's been so long. So thank God for that. I'm trying to like freeze frame on Zelda, not Zelda question mark. Yeah, it does. Well, okay. Now that I'm looking at it again, she is wearing the exact same pair of earrings that Zelda is wearing uh, in the shot of her holding the goddesses here. You see that motif with that, that pine cone looking thing. Like that's a, that pine cone sort of ornamentation is visible also in the background of the location that she is at with the, uh, the tall guy who has the same hand that Link has. Oh, so it seems he? like that was also where is that? Um, that is it's a little bit after 141, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, 155 yeah, okay. is when you first see Zelda in that location. You see those ornamentated little they look like pine guns to me, but they also kind of look like dragon eggs. There's like scaled eggs. So it could be like dragon stuff. Khaleesi. I mean, that person earlier, you make that joke, but that's literally what they look like in Game of Thrones. <laughs> that was a very important uh, piece of media ever around the world wants to ape from it. I mean, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy 16 in just a little bit. But I, I could even see that character at 141. They look like a dragon person. They do. It, it, to, to me, it did look like a Lizalfos. And I had, for, I had forgotten about that until you reminded me of it. And the other woman is at three, three minutes, nine seconds or so. Yeah, I hopped up. I hopped up to her already. That's a, that's a blink and you miss it in terms of like having to stop really precisely. Totally. And she does have Zelda-like... I mean, she's got the the ears and the blonde hair, but past that, ears, tears, nothing hair. like Zelda. I know the earrings appear in the ears. Uh, the the earrings appear in like multiple people, but it's so similar. Maybe it's the analog of it. It could be an ancient version. I mean, we also don't know like if we're messing with time or not. Like that's been speculated in this game, like way before we got any concrete trailers like this yeah i mean this could be this this could be a flashback to ten thousand years in the past instead of 100 years in the past you know like that kind of memory that that goddess memory that is yeah like an ancestral not distinct to yeah exactly an ancestral recall sort of uh scenario yeah that's true could well be and we don't even know also like we've seen all this stuff with link but but we know zelda's kind of having her own little journey like maybe we're actually gonna get some sections of her who knows? I don't know how you do that in an open world game, though, without just allowing you to switch freely back and forth between the two. Otherwise, you get you get a, a Spider-Man scenario where you're you're having fun playing a Spider-Man, but then you have to do some bullshit as Mary Jane. Speaking of like the 2018 Spider-Man game, that will be my guess is hitting certain like benchmarks you pop over. I just think it's never going to happen at this point. Like you're not going to play a Zelda in a mainline Ocarina or mainline Zelda game. I don't know why I said Ocarina. Just thinking about Ocarina of Time. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, any more um, thoughts on this trailer? I'm extremely excited for this game. Yeah, I'm ready to fucking go. I That's supposed to be the week. It comes out on like the 12th, right? Or the 13th? 12th. Yeah, that's. I'm getting back from Las Vegas on uh, Sunday of that weekend. And I'm supposed to be spending that week with my... Uh, with my curriculums from my different classes, curricula, I guess would be the grammatically correct uh, plural of curriculum. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to happen that week. It is what Someone's it is. Someone's playing hooky. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> right. the semester will be over, so it's not like I 
it's not like there's anything that I should be doing that I'm not doing. And I'll also have the whole week prior to that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not going to not You'll get it, it on you day always one. Figure it out. I'm not going to not get it on right. day one. It's just a matter of how do I like ration my work hours and go like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat. I'm going to work until like one o'clock. Then I can just place a little rest of the day if I fucking want to or whatever. I don't know. I will figure it out. I've got mine pre-ordered through Target, so it's just whenever they decide to actually ship it. I mean, I could be playing that game two days beforehand or three days after. I don't know. I don't remember when. Because I got a Prime remaster through Target as well, and I think that was a late shipping. But then uh, a couple years ago, I got WarioWare Get It Together like two days early, so it's just a crapshoot. I'm not not pre-ordering. I only pre-ordered Prime because I knew that that was going to be a limited release, but Zelda, every store on planet earth is going to have Zelda on the shelf. So I am walking my ass in and I am buying it from my local Target or Best Buy or whatever. Cause I just don't even want to fuck with delayed shipping. I can't be the last one in group to have tears of the kingdom booted up. Yeah. I only, I only pre-ordered it because uh, it was on sale. So, Oh I'm yeah. Buy that game and not pay $70, I will take that route. I can wait a couple days. You got that, and you pre-ordered Pikmin 4 too, right? Correct. Yeah, that was a great sale. Chris, tell me what new things you've gleaned from the Final Fantasy 16 state of play. I was, like, quivering in my chair by the end of that state of play, like, with my mouth agape, just like, oh my god, I can't believe how good this game looks. Um... I think I've gleaned that they've definitely gone like full game of Thrones, which has been kind of sort of discussed, but that just looking at the, the ways that people talk to each other, the general like high fantasy castle dragon aesthetic, um, even like the design of some like final fantasy staples, like the goblin just looks like a whole ass fantasy series again, as opposed to, you know, whatever they did in, Final Fantasies 10 through 13 uh, with a lot of these monster designs Um, going full action RPG. I didn't realize how involved it was going to be that I knew that you're attached to uh, Ifrit, uh, the icon uh, Ifrit, of course, the classic Final Fantasy uh, summon. But I didn't realize that you were going to be gaining abilities from all of them. And so switching really rapidly between all of these different like three button movesets, basically. Um, it's like dizzying in just how uh, uh, fast it looks and how responsive it's going to be to like quick second commands. There's going to be a lot of like hair trigger dodging. There's going to be a lot of like split second attack uh, windows and things like that. Like they've got full, they're not doing any like half C final fantasy seven remake stuff anymore. Like it's just full bore action RPG, which is really exciting. Uh, the voice acting actually sounds good, which I don't think I've ever said about a square Enix game in like the history of time, except maybe final fantasy seven remake. But even then sometimes I was kind of like, Oh God, this is just like kind of anime schlock. Um, and the icon fights just look like they're going to be tent poles of the entire game getting between these gigantic boss monster battles where sometimes it's still very action RPG where you've got like three or four button commands and can dodge. But sometimes it's going to be so large and cinematic that uh, each of them will be, as you like to say, Nick, bespoke encounters that the fight between 
uh, the fight between Ifrit and Bahamut is going to be very, very different in structure than the fight between Ifrit and Phoenix and the fight between Ifrit and Titan. Like they're all going to be really unique and have unique challenges and unique things to offer. Some quality of life improvements that I sort of went, oh my God, no one can ever not do these now. Um, and you know me, I'm like team side quest forever, right? Keeping track of, oh, where are these side quests? Let me make sure I have them. How do I find them? Blah, blah, blah. They have completely and totally like removed the need for that uh, from uh, one of the player hub areas, Sid's hideout. Um, you can access a map that you can look at each of the different regions that you've been to it will show you exactly where the side quests are and you can fast travel to any of them immediately from the player hub. That is so fucking useful to me. Like not having to just run around and go, ah, oh, where's that little like icon that tells me I can talk to them and get a side quest. Don't have to do that anymore. You can just go there and just do it. They want you to be engaging with all of this different content. Um, there's some baby mode stuff that EJ would like. Um, there are items that you can equip that will let you, automatically evade any attack that is evadable that will slow time down and give you a button command to dodge uh when you're in a dodge window um something that will let you rather than manually executing attack combos in different icon move sets uh you can simply like press square repeatedly with this particular item equipped uh to do the combo with with one touch uh, so they are aware that folks may be coming to this from different uh, levels of skill and expertise with action RPGs, since this has been still pretty turn based or active time turn based, even in the case of Final Fantasy 15. Um, there's also a story mode which will automatically equip all of those baby mode items that will auto dodge for you and auto combo for you and stuff like that. If for people who want to experience the story, enjoy the beautiful world they've crafted and holy shit, it looks absolutely stunning captured on PS five uh, and not worry too much about, Oh, I have to learn this system for this franchise. I've been playing for 15 years and it's always been turn-based, right? Um, God, it just looks great. It looks fucking great. I I've, I've enjoyed what I had seen, but was kind of, I don't know. This is sort of the smoking gun, I guess, where they really feel like they've got a really good product on their hands. And I think I'm really glad I have it drafted in league is what I think, because that's definitely that's plus 90 for sure. And is is going to be in the game of the year uh, conversation. I think pretty feel pretty confidently at this point. It's going to be in the game of the year conversation. A lot of Final Fantasy 14 sickos out there. They're going to be like, yeah, this is our boy Yoshi P. Uh, just watching the gameplay right now, I don't know if it feels like a Final Fantasy, if it's just one character being played the entire game. It's hard for me to feel like this game is still like in the lineage of Final Fantasy, even going back to 13, that was maybe poorly remembered by many, but it's still a Final Fantasy game. Final Fantasy 12 tried a lot of new things, but you have a huge party in that game. I feel like the, the party is so important to the character of the franchise that not having one still makes it feel like a different thing. If that makes any sense. It does make sense. I think you could kind of sort of apply the same argument to 13 and 15 in terms of like having non playable additional characters that like you're pretty much only controlling like leader of party in those games. I thought you could play as the other characters in 15 or being able to 
watching someone play as Prompto and doing like the photography side minigame quest stuff. They had chapters that you oh, could okay. play of of them that were that were maybe I was thinking uh, of that. Yeah, I think they were free DLC. Uh, but they were DLC nonetheless. In 15, you will always have uh your loyal hound with you uh that will automatically uh do a number of things in battle or you could issue manual commands to and there are a number of characters who will be with you uh and will will fight alongside you uh so it's not completely moving us into the realm of like a single player or a non-party experience but it is focusing pretty intently on this is the person's story that we're following which I don't hate because a lot of times I'm sort of like, okay, like seems like they try to do too much with like a huge cast. Yeah. And like final fantasy six was a long time ago, but there are so many characters in that game that are just fucking useless. Like the, the fucking Yeti, like who did like, what the fuck is the point of him? Go, go like the silent mime who has like no lore at all. It's just like a person you can find who will fight with you. Uh, and even in 13, some of the characters I was like, Sots, great. Super cool story. Snow, don't give a fuck about him. Hope, I wish he would shut the fuck up and like never speak again. Vanille and Fang, kind of an interesting story. I I liked that they were queer coded, even though it wasn't explicit. Like I appreciated that they were at least nodding in that direction. But I I don't care about half of the party characters in pretty much every Final Fantasy game that's ever come out. But they still have to devote time to developing them, which makes my eyes glaze a little bit. And twelve, of course, you know, is is, is my baby. That's my baby. But I don't even like Vaughn. Like I get Vaughn out of my party as fast as possible. So I don't know. I I I I hope it pays off in focusing intently on a single a single character's journey. And if it doesn't, then they're definitely going to have some soul searching to do about like if they want to go that direction again. Yeah, I think the way I sort of look at traditional RPGs and party systems is it's nice to have the choice. Like I think a good story a good cast of characters doesn't make you want to like love every single character there needs to be some in there that are stinkers to make the ones that truly matter stand out so when they show this game and it's just clive which is a terrible name for a main final fantasy character and he just seems like this flat stoic one note dude it's hard for me to be excited about that in a game that they're it seems like they're trying really hard to say, no, this one's serious. This one has war and they're talking about resources and their kingdoms. And there's a Moogle, but they're not going to have any like twee sort of dialogue from that Moogle. So the Moogle exists because it has to, not because they actually want to have any sort of whimsy in this franchise that is known for its whimsy and beloved because of that. So it's just weird that this is Final Fantasy 15 when this could easily be Final Fantasy colon something, something, something. I, yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Final Fantasy for me has always been about like monster design as much as like, look, there's a Moogle, you know what I mean? And there are Chocobo, like people you ride Chocobo and that's another sort of core creature. Um I wouldn't necessarily think like Clive is flat. I don't know how much of the like, earlier stuff you have like read and watched but he's definitely got a lot going on in terms of his his development uh i get john snow vibes oh i don't get that at all not from the not from a lot of the earlier stuff especially 
that we're going to be we're going to start with him in his in his 20s we're going to see him in his teens and the things we're going to get like the tragic backstory it like strongly implies also that his younger brother is either like murdered in front of him or is uh being forced to like live in the icon state as the phoenix as a tool of war which is like to me a pretty potent character motivation for somebody to be like i have to go like unfuck this situation uh Clive, I mean, I'm not thrilled about the name, but again, like they're going, they're going full Game of Thrones. They're trying to make it feel a little bit more medieval, a little bit more high fantasy. And I'm kind of here for it after all the fucking kookiness that, uh, that, that has been happening. And I want some kooky because you got to have a little bit of kooky, but basically since Final Fantasy nine, it's been like, post-apocalypse and then we got a return to high fantasy and final fantasy 12 super cool total 180 into the 13 trilogy which i do consider like three distinct mainline games uh and then final fantasy 15 where they're driving a fucking car around all the time and i'm like i i I would like i would like something that feels a little bit more connected to the roots of this which is literally in the title fantasy like i want knights i want princesses i want kingdoms I want it like writ large and glorious 4K on PS5. Like that's that's what I would like. Yeah, I mean you could talk shit about the car, but Final Fantasy VI literally starts with three dudes in mechs walking towards a village. Final Fantasy VII, Cloud has a motorcycle. That was like a big marketing beat. So it's it's been part of the the franchise's history for longer than it was without it. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm super. I wouldn't say jaded, but I just I like Final Fantasy. I like Final Fantasy X. I like Final Fantasy V, I like Final Fantasy VII, the little bit that I've played of it. I don't know if I would really like put myself in the sort of umbrella of a Final Fantasy fan because I haven't played so many of them and I don't really have like a desire to play most of them. And when I watch this, I just see this doesn't look like a like a RPG. It looks like a Devil May Cry game in combat. And then everything else is you're just walking around God of War style and like, that's cool, but that's not an RPG. God of War isn't an RPG and Devil May Cry isn't an RPG. I don't know what the RPG systems are besides optional content. And I don't think RPGs have the, like, they are not the owners of optional content. There are side quests in almost every video game these days. If it's a AAA game, there's optional content, right? I mean, action RPGs are RPGs. Like, if the character levels through experience points, if the character gains ability through combat, if the character accrues things that will allow them to progress deeper into both like the abilities that they use as well as their overall like stat base. It's an action RPG. This game is definitely an action RPG. And I, I think that it is wise for them to let the mainline entries evolve Because nobody is going to, I'm not going to say nobody, but I think that this is going to let them reach a lot more people who have been turned off historically by Final Fantasy because it is so slow and turn-based and get some new folks into the fold who then may look back and go, well, where did this franchise come from? Like, maybe I do want to play some of these older games. And the fact that we're also getting the the 7 remake cycle right now, which is not entirely action RPG, but is like adjacent to it. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to, I think it's going to bring new people into the fold. I, I don't think that, I don't think that doing something like 10 again is going to 
that's not going to be a game that's going to be popular. I just like I don't see I don't see that as being the place that mainline Final Fantasy occupies anymore. And they've even evolved over time anyway. Like initially it was these are the characters, these are the things they do, and that's it. And then when we got into Final Fantasy 3 with the introduction of uh some of the different uh job classes, then it was like, "Oh, you can have more player choice in putting your party together. It's not prescribed for you." And then in five, they exploded that into like huge, big, bold letters of there are dozens of jobs and you can customize even more deeply. Uh, And then in seven, they went, we're going to push, we're going to push the bounds of like, what kind of story can you tell in, in a game like this? What kind of worlds can you make that are, that are not so samey like the first five were not, not six and and so on and so forth. It's always been a series that's been like, we are going to push what the role-playing game can do so i have no i have no qualms with it i i think there may be some purists that may like gnash their teeth about it but i also think that square is looking at stuff like the pixel remasters as a way to remind people that they still do that and do that well and they have a lot of other offerings milk fans yeah exactly i think things like octopath traveler where they're like if y'all would like a great very final fantasy like turn-based RPG experience, we have something for you. But mainline Final Fantasy is just not that. And it really hasn't been in, in quite a while, like since 12. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't want to like lump myself in with the purists who say if it's not turn-based, then it's not Final Fantasy. I mean, obviously we've had examples past that. I mean, 12 was not turn-based really. It was like a real-time sort of strategy game in the way that it sort of played out. It was more like an MMO with like cooldowns and stuff. And I I think it's more just the overall look and feel and the sum of the parts don't really add up to feeling like a quote unquote mainline Final Fantasy game to me as someone whose experience with the games are sort of touch and go here and there. And I just wonder if the strategy that you are prescribing that Square Enix is taking is actually going to bear out and make more fans of the series if you make one game that is wildly different than all the others and then say, Hey, maybe now you can get into those other games that are not like this one. You're not going to get new fans of the series. You're going to have fans of this game. And I think that it's not always about just like doubling down and iterating, but there are so many franchises that do see success by doing that. Persona five is probably one of the most successful JRPGs of all time. And that's a lot like persona four, which is a lot like persona three. And they make these small changes over time, but they still, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the inciting like incident was that caused Persona to gain so much success. And Square Enix is not really doing this with a lot of their other franchises. You look at Dragon Quest, and I think they haven't really shown much of Dragon Quest 12, but Dragon Quest 11 was a Dragon Quest-ass Dragon Quest game. And I don't know. It's just, I think... Final Fantasy is in a strange place because so many of its creators are no longer with Square Enix that it's kind of like a rudderless ship and it is free to be steered by anyone who just wants to go up and grab the wheel. So you get, I mean, it's even like a little bit different now because God, what's the guy who does all the character designs? Amano. Uh, Nomura. Amano. Uh, Nomura. No, I'm talking about Nomura who did Final Fantasy VII remake. He's the belts guy. Kingdom Hearts. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about art. Yeah, Nomura. Nomura did the art for Final Fantasy VII. That was like his big break um, doing the character design for that game. But then he also went on and did 
uh, Final Fantasy X's character design, Tidus with his goddamn crazy pants and uh, Lulu with all the belts and then all the belts and Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, Nomura was sort of like the steering the ship for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1. They have a different guy now for Remake Part 2. They have another guy for... I don't know if Intermission was actually done by Nomura as well, if that was the, the second director, but it just seems like Square isn't a really weird place as far as its leadership and their insistence on doubling down on NFT stuff and chasing after trends. And they don't understand how to make games. Like they don't, they don't know that their primary business is making successful Japanese RPGs. And it feels like Konami before they kind of spiraled away and disappeared from gaming for a few years until now they're trying to like crawl their way back without Kojima, who was like their one show pony left. So I just don't want Square Enix to turn into a husk of itself only to be sold off to Sony because it feels like we need as many of the big, I don't know if, I guess Square Enix is like AAA, but like the big AAA uh, publishers that are third party still in Japan. It seems like they they had a lot of consolidation uh, 15 or 20 years ago. Square and Enix combining as a a big uh, example of that. But they could easily get absorbed into a bigger company because not because of Final Fantasy 15 like or 16, that's going to be hugely successful. But we don't know. I mean, last year they put out like six games within two months. It was really weird. Like, why don't they put more effort into marketing these games, make them a bigger deal, spread them out. But it seems like they don't understand what they're doing. So I, I just, I look at the whole sort of environment, the ecosystem that they're trying to produce and they have these huge tentpole games, but I can't get excited for it because it looks like Devil May Cry. So it's just weird. That's that's just my big like view from outer space look at it. Eh, I don't know. If the game's good, I don't think a lot else really matters. And 15 missed the mark a little bit for some people. And uh, this looks to You don't be... understand, man. You got to watch the movie and read the manga and then the story's good. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, I... Uh-uh. Still the only main line I have not played. I well, I started it and was like, I'm not I'm not getting into this. And I had just played 10 for the first time. And so I was like kind of Final Fantasy'd out. But yeah, I don't know if if 16's good uh, and it does look like it's going to be pretty damn good. Um, maybe the folks that buy that game that haven't been Final Fantasy players, maybe they don't go buy the pixel remaster of Final Fantasy five, but they're going to buy Final Fantasy 17. They're going to buy Final Fantasy 16, the after years or whatever. Um, and if the product, if the product is good, all is well. And the last tent pull they released was wildly successful. It was a game of the year candidate was, and still is my game of the year in 2021, uh, in final fantasy seven remake better than dread. You heard it here first. I mean, I've been saying that was my game of the year. I loved that game. Um, and, uh, I do believe that Nomura is still producing that sequel though. So he yeah. will have his creative input. I'm sure that he did the story beats or had a big hand in the story beats because that was yep, it's got no more. It's got no more stink all over it. <laughs> oh, stink is so mean. I loved what they did with the remake. Um, so I, I don't know the, the the skies are the skies are good. The skies are good. I get I get what you're where you're coming from. I definitely get what you're coming from. I have not, I don't have cause to worry yet. If this game is like an 85, then I may start to get concerned. They're going to get glorbed up by somebody else. Uh, Cause that would even be, would feel like a little bit of an underachievement uh, for a game that they've invested a lot into marketing 
in the last couple of years. And we're definitely not getting fucking remake part two or whatever it's called. Re, uh, uh, rebirth. We're not getting that in the winter. Like that's, that's insanity and has always been insanity that they set that release date. But 16 will be, will be sufficient. I think. Yeah. I don't think this is the make or break. I just look at square Enix and I, I, I grit my teeth a little bit at their continued existence really quick. I just wanted to mention that suicide squad got delayed until February 2nd <laughs> of next year. <laughs> Game's going to suck and it will still suck. It'll just <laughs> suck six months later. I feel vindicated with my counter pick. I'm unfortunately upset. that I'm stuck with that noose around my neck for the whammy. League, it's that's a whammy. A, that's a plus five. That's a plus five. Cause it got delayed. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You win some, you lose some. I doubled down. What did we say about doubling down on, on these games with bets? <laughs> I, I, I doubled down, but in a different league. Yeah, don't do it, I think is, yeah. <laughs> is what That is we the say. prevailing wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't have the nards to double down. And I'm glad for it. And something like Crime Boss, where I was like, no, that'll be like a 70, like a 77. But I was like, yeah, I'm still not going to draft it in the main league. And that was smart. Anyway. Yeah, you may have been big balls, Gilly Four, and was that twenty one or twenty two that you uh twenty wheeled those bad boys out? Yeah, in twenty twenty one when I drafted Final Fantasy sixteen for the first time. Yeah, well, I mean, I I got Hollow Knight Silk Song that year too, so here we are laughing ourselves to the to the bank if and when they come out. Yeah, final. I know Final Fantasy's coming out, but you may have a a, a tougher a tougher go of Silk Song if we don't see something by summertime. Yeah, those damn Australians. It's like five people working on that game part it out um that's that's pretty much it like the big hits as far as news is concerned but i did want to touch on some rumors because they're pretty funny if not if nothing else um really quick there's apparently a mario title that's in development that is a remaster of thousand year door and i wonder about that i wonder because intelligent systems are the stewards of the Paper Mario franchise. They're the ones also who work on Advance Wars and uh, Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem being their their big franchise. Advance Wars is coming out in, what, next week? Not being handled by WayForward, that is, or not handled by Intelligent Systems, but instead being remade by WayForward. So I don't think there's a big precedent of Intelligent Systems being necessarily handcuffed to their old games i think nintendo can say hey so and so why don't you remake this and make a quick buck turn a quick profit everyone wins what would a remaster like this look like i think because of the style of the game it does not need a lot in the in terms of like animation or quality of life stuff i think you could pretty much make it widescreen upscale the assets do some like repainting of that, maybe some small quality of life features like quick travel or something. I don't know. More safe points. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the rough edges are in that game, but they could pop that out. And I think they would sell it for 60 bucks and they'd sell a million copies and fans would be super happy. Yeah. I, I, I was excited by it initially. And then I was kind of like, like you just said, like, what are you going to remaster? Like upscale it, maybe do a reorchestration of the music, maybe. And then quality of life question mark like feels a lot more like Skyward Sword HD than Metroid Prime Remastered where it's just it's just a port like a cash grab port and I'll buy it because that game's fucking great I'll totally buy it but I'm gonna feel like a mark when I do 
Because I just don't know what, like, what are you going to remaster? <laughs> like, what is there to remaster? Like a 2D, 2D, 3D Paper Mario game. That's already so good. Like, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's going to be a port. I would buy, if true, I will buy it. I wouldn't buy a port. I mean, it depends. How much would they charge for a port? Like, if it was as much work as they did to um, Galaxy in the Mario 3D collection, like, that, they made that widescreen, or I guess that game could have been widescreen, but like for 1080, I mean, they made it higher frame rate and they upscaled the assets. At that point, I wouldn't necessarily classify that as like a full on remaster. It's not a big boy remaster like uh, Metroid Prime was, but they could even, I mean, if they wanted to, they could add some like lighting systems. The lighting, I think, actually, no, like, no joking, Paper Mario Origami King is like one of the best looking games on Switch. It is beautiful has amazing art direction the 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 way the lighting interacts with the paper and has that like that feel it looks and feels like paper i think it's really cool and i think they could do that much work to it but i don't know don't know if they would is the thing i don't know if that franchise has the juice but i mean metroid doesn't really have the juice as far as like sales ceilings so i i, I don't know but that was that was that was retro that was retro working on this franchise that they're getting back into with prime four it was like Here's some training wheels project for new people to like cut their teeth and work on something before they get to prime four. Yeah. That's the prime. So four it makes engine. more sense. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I was asking, like talking about, I don't think intelligence systems is working on this because they just shipped a, a game with fire emblem awakening, not awakening, but uh, what's the name of that game? Encore engage Enrage. It's, it's engage. play it. Yeah. This, this post on family boards, uh, which is a, like an old school message board uh, with Nintendo heads talking about it. it's like, Oh yeah, I scoped out some LinkedIn stuff and I shared this details with some other leakers, blah, blah, blah. So there's not really a lot of like yeah. indication on the scope or who is working on it or anything like that. So it's probably safe to ignore it, but paper Mario heads are desperate and they want a return to the RPG formula. Yeah. Speaking of a franchise that fucking lost its way in terms of its core gameplay mechanics. Like I stopped playing that shit. I don't even think I finished super paper Mario on the Wii. I got a lot of the way that I may have finished it. But at that point I was like, I, this is not fun anymore. Uh, in fact, the only time I've touched anything even Paper Mario adjacent besides the replay for the game diary that never happened was the, um, yeah, EJ, when you're editing this, I am talking about you, um, is playing uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam because Paper Mario was your third party member. And I was like, God, I heard that game was dismal. No, it was great. Who said it was dismal? That game was awesome. Most reviews, I think that game is like a Metacritic 70. Oh, I loved it. Maybe lower. I loved it. I had a great time with it. Um, to Just to play, if for no other reason that I got to play an honest to fucking God, like Paper Mario game again with like Paper Peach and Paper Luigi and uh, doing different like folding things. And then they had the, well, I didn't like love this mechanic, but like big, like three dimensional sort of arena combat in big origami machines. Um, yeah, but Paper Mario got to be a turn-based combatant again, and I was like, I'm kind of here for that, and, but yeah, I haven't played a, a one of those, and I commend you for sticking with it anyway. I was glad to hear, like, Origami King was good looking, at least. No, I mean, Origami King was a lot of fun. It had nice ideas, the combat became tedious after a long time, and it had a similar problem to Color Splash, where 
there was like not a lot of incentive to even participate in combat. Like if you could avoid battles, there was no, you didn't like gain levels. There was no reason for you to fight in battles unless you wanted to. Yeah, so that's, that's dumb. It, yeah. So it, it kind of, it ruins the loop by, by not having that upgrading sort of aspect to it. But Origami King had great writing. It was, it was a fun time. The music was beautiful. I would recommend it if you could get it for like 30 bucks. I think it's well worth that. I'm not I'm not going to play that. It does not does not excite me at all. Like I've watched videos on how the combat works and I'm like this would I would die in my couch after an hour of trying to do that combat. Like it is not for me. That's fine. That's totally fine. Uh I I just I even for $30 I'd be like I'm not going to enjoy this. Why would I do this? That's fair. I thought it was still nice. It just wasn't nearly at its peak. We've got a couple Sega news tidbits rumor tidbits <laughs> one a little bit more substantial than the other uh, we'll talk about the more substantial one because it's more boring uh they are apparently in negotiations to purchase rovio the makers of angry birds for a cool billion dollars and it's just another of the larger sort of uh console publishers trying to get a foot in the door on the mobile platform chris how do you feel about big AAA publishers sort of having their pet company that makes mobile games? That's like their secret cash cow, but does nothing for the overall sort of oeuvre of their output. If it gets them the money to make the games that I give a shit about. Sure, go for it. Like, I, I, I get the reality like you said of it being a literal like money spewing cow that they can just milk over and over again because people are stupid and microtransactions are very addictive and it's really easy to go oh well i need like 20 more energy but i'd really like to beat this level so i'll just buy a little box of energy for five bucks or whatever and not realizing how quickly that adds up um he said from experience so i don't like I get, I get, I get it. I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. And if it means that we're, it's giving you the money to revisit some of these legacy titles, which we're going to talk about in a second and like give them some love and TLC, then buy Rovio, buy another company, buy whoever the fuck you have to buy to get that bag to make those games. Cause I want those games. It does make me wonder a little bit. Sure. Angry Birds was hugely successful and it clearly was profitable. But is that cow still producing milk? What is the point of buying this company? If they're looking to sell, it's because they know that this is the best deal they're going to get for the foreseeable future, right? So like, what is the future output of Rovio? What do they do that makes them another gajillion dollars, right? So it makes me feel like they're not buying a company that's on the upswing. They're, they're buying an old hoopty that they think they can fix up and put her back out on the road. But I don't know if Sega can do that. I mean, they've been fine stewards of uh, the Persona series after they bought Atlas. But I don't know if they really have shown the propensity towards like making sure the, the studios underneath them have continued success. Beyond like Yakuza, I guess. Yakuza has been huge and has only grown. But I don't think they could say the same thing about Sonic. And that's like their... That is Sega. Sega is Sonic. That's their biggest brand. They made a successful movie and they made another successful movie. Good for them. But I don't see how, I mean, I guess people did like frontiers, but again, 
me talking out of my ass a little bit, like sort of speaking from the outside looking in. I don't know if Sega has the juice to turn Rovio around and turn them into a profitable mobile machine. But let's talk about the thing you do care about. Let's talk about the morning that we were leaving the beach, our highly successful beach trip. So successful. Um, (laughs) A lot of fun. Uh, We we got a small clip posted on the internet of Persona 3 Remake, potentially. um, And also an associated screenshot from what looks to be a Jet Set Radio Future remake. Or just Jet Set Radio. I don't know if it's future, but I don't don't know if you can tell just by looking. But yeah, talk to me about that, Chris. I remember over a year and a half ago, it may have been over two years at this point, that Sega had this presser or this uh, like press release or 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 a, a sizzle video or something where they were like we want to get back to cultivating our stable of dormant IPs and at that moment I was kind of like oh my god like please give me a new jet set radio game because those games are still so unique and interesting and aesthetically pleasing and a joy to play but you can't really play them anymore at this point because they're gated on like very old tech. Uh, I sort of figured that it would mean we might, we we would get a new, a new entry proper. Um, But I understand that a couple of the core members of the creative team are not with Sega anymore and are actually the ones who are responsible for Bomber Cyberfunk, which is supposed to be coming out this summer that I have drafted league, which is also part of why I drafted that knowing that they had some people from that original team attached to that. So a Jet Set Radio remaster makes a lot more sense to me of like revisiting an existing property, getting that soundtrack like up and like absolutely bopping, giving us new visuals and easier control scheme and then having it on like every console under the sun. That would make a ton of sense to me and would be so exciting for like a new generation of folks like get a chance to experience this game and how cool and interesting it is. And especially in the era of like deep skepticism in many circles, I think in, in Gen Z, maybe more deeply than anywhere else, but definitely in like big pockets of millennials of like skepticism towards the police. Cause jet set radio is like a cab as fuck. Like you are literally fighting the cops. You were spray painting cops and cop cars with like anti-fascist slogans. Like this game could have been like of the modern time as it existed in that moment. So having it remastered now just makes like way too much sense to me. And I almost don't want to get too excited in case it's fake. Cause there's almost nothing to substantiate it other than, uh, yeah, the, the, the little video of maybe persona three remake the screenshot. And then also some Sonic frontiers beta video that would have put it in like a specific point in the development timeline. Uh, but that is video that we did see. Right. The, the sort of prevailing, thought behind these slew of different uh, images and videos is that they were part of a Sega internal presentation as far back as 2021, which may seem like a long time, but with how long video games take to make it kind of, it makes sense a little bit. I just wonder when would they announce this? And persona three is also weird because they just, they just ported uh, four golden PC and then they did, four golden and three. I don't know if it was the FES, the PSP version or the PS2 version, but they ported that to modern consoles as well. Yep. So they're like fresh on mind. So is it weird that they're sort of doubling down on that 
by porting it and then showing a remaster it seems it seems kind of uh, kind of strange i guess but these games also take a long time to make but i don't know what all they're doing to like juice it up it's it's strange to each of your questions i absolutely agree it, it, the timing is would be weird cuz they did just get persona 3 uh moved over to the switch and to modern consoles and then yeah persona 4 golden uh which was the the ps the ps vita port uh brought over um and i do think it is uh ps3p persona 3 portable um that was what they did the port from i don't think it was from the ps2 version i think anyway uh yeah the right. timing there was weird. like there was like three different versions of that game and it's like each one has additions and subtractions so hopefully i mean i guess the the thought is hopefully that if they do remake it, that it's a best of all worlds. You get the female main character, you get the additional content at the end. Maybe you smooth some edges, you increase uh, animation fidelity, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the quality of life features that they have continually added with each persona entry. You'd hope that would be in there as well. So, I mean, I'm not into the persona franchise. I've played about 20 hours of persona five and it seems fine. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to it. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, the fans are hungry and they want to buy as many of the games as possible. But it seems like Atlas is very slow in putting them out. And I think the Shin Megami Tensei, which they showed at that same Switch reveal that we we're talking about with uh, Breath of the Wild. And then that game came out in 2021, like at the end of 2021. That game took them four and a half years to put out after showing it. So these games, they they take their time, which is, you know, great. But slow cadence and Sega's not maybe I don't know if that's a thing where if you throw more money and more people at it that they'll turn out faster and if they do turn out faster will they turn out worse so obviously I, I don't know what I'm talking about but it seems like it takes them a long fucking time to put out these games yeah I think if the remake is real it's not coming out till like early next year which would be a full year after the ports um, so that it's in mind but not like top of mind and they're going like wait is this the re i thought is this the remake is this the the port like which version am i buying um also if this jet set radio is real if it has been in development potentially as long as 2021 they're going to announce that thing within a month of bomb rush cyberpunk's release date in the summer I think that that just seems like the clearest and smartest thing to do is to just steal their thunder and go like, hey, I know y'all were really looking forward to this spiritual successor. We're giving you an actual ass remaster and yanking business away from that like indie development team that's got some of their old devs uh, and back over to them. Like that seems that seems like the move if this is in fact real. Um, So I would think like a June announcement which would be like right around E3 time. Like is Sega doing a direct is Atlas doing or a, like a presser is Atlas doing anything? Like, I don't know if they do anything specific on their own now. Cause they're owned by their own by Sega. But uh, I, I would think that would be the time that they would, that they would lift the curtain. Atlas and Sony have been very close as far as announcements and uh, co-marketing. So I could see persona three remake being announced at uh, Sony's, also rumored May presentation, their Sony showcase, their more big boy uh, presentation. I mean, the state of plays have been very much focused on smaller things or singular things 
but a showcase is them. It's their direct. It's the big AAA stuff. It's where you're gonna you're gonna see Spider Man. Uh, so I could see that happening. I could see that being part of it. Um, as far as as far as uh, Jet Set, I think it's it's such a niche and cult sort of underground kind of uh, classic at this point that I don't know if it really gets to the main stage like that, unless it is incredibly imminent. But I also could see Microsoft wanting to talk about that because there's a history there with Jet Set Radio Future being an Xbox exclusive after the Dreamcast died. Yeah, that's And true. Sega sort of sowing their oats and like taking their IP to different uh, console like platforms and saying, hey, Nintendo, you make sense for Sonic. Hey, Xbox, you make sense for this weird bullshit, Jet Set and like Crazy Taxi and like they sort of shopped it around. So there is history with individual platforms. So I could see that showing up at an Xbox thing, which they are doing something in beginning of june as well when e3 would have been but then it died so it's just whatever happens there that would make perfect sense for it to go to microsoft because you can play you can play the original jet set radio through xbox live on the one i don't know if it's on the series x and s or not i'm ignorant to their ecosystem to be honest with you but i know that it was very recently playable the original um that would make a lot of sense I was thinking something similar of like, oh, a Nintendo Direct, like if Nintendo does a, a May or a June Direct, sure. a la E3 to yeah. have Jet Set Radio remake, like seems like something that would absolutely show up in a fucking direct sizzle just totally randomly of like, who asked for this? And then like the six people, myself included, who asked for it are like, oh my God. Yeah, just screaming from the rafters. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see it going. I could see this working either Xbox, Nintendo, depending on who is doing the the final push for bomb rush. I think it'll be the opposite. Or they double down on it and they say, "Hey, let's show both. Like instead of being competitive, let's be cooperative." I think that could work just as well too because the composer from Jet Set Radio, if he's involved with the remake and like redoing those tracks, I think he would be like, "Yeah, these are both my babies. This is the reason why these games are well remembered. The art style, the the attitude and the music like those are the three aspects that people actually care about and you can change whatever you want about the gameplay and, and it would it would be whatever it's those three things that people want so I, I could see it being at one of or both nintendo and xbox especially since the smaller sort of indie games show really well uh in a nintendo direct like it it really adds to the the sort of melting pot of like a million different things. Here's something with a very distinct art style. And it just, it shows a lot better on a small screen than it does on check out the last of us and this photorealistic human man. And then here's bomber cyberfunk. Like it, it there's a lot of <laughs> dissonance there. Yes. That you don't really get when you get here's Mario and link and this dude spraying graffiti on a cop car. Yeah. This last little thing I just wanted to mention really quick because I, I've never been to a Disneyland or a Disney World or a Universal theme park or a theme park in general, but the idea of going to the Nintendo World sounds like it sounds like a like a like a lovely time. It's gonna happen. It sounds like it sounds like tears would probably happen on my face. Don't know how they'd get there. They could be mine. They could be somebody else's. They're the tears of the kingdom. <laughs> but there is reason to believe via insider rumblings and also. Uh, Universal confirming that they are shutting down their Universal Orlando Islands of Adventure, which is probably some sort of island with some sort of adventure theming. But people say 
that it's getting rethemed to The Legend of Zelda, which if you were Nintendo and you are now rolling out of bed to your sweet, sweet millions of dollars off of the Super Mario Brothers Half movie, a bill and already. You're thinking, yeah, half a bill already, already like on its way to being one of the most successful animated films of all time. Uh, you know, good for them. Cash it in. Uh, write it out a check to make a Legend of Zelda movie or TV show or whatever. And then start doubling down on that franchise because Breath of the Wild shows that Zelda is popular. And then Metroid. Metroid has not shown that it's popular yet. Give me Metroid joke. Give me Metroid joke. <laughs> I agree. That would be delightful. But there is not a monetary incentive and precedent shown with Metroid. There is with Mario. There always has been with Mario. There has been now with Zelda. Breath of the Wild was huge. It is still. It outsold Super Mario Odyssey. The big return to 3D open world Mario. Zelda still kicking its teeth in. That is unprecedented. Zelda has never outsold Mario, especially not the 3D ones. So them doubling down on Zelda, expanding it out, leaning into it, making lifetime fans of Link and Zelda and the music and the world of Hyrule makes total sense to me. We already know that Donkey Kong Country is coming in Japan. And so yes. to me, it's always been a matter of time until we got more stuff like this. Yeah, it's Nintendo World, not Mario World. Right. It's a Super Nintendo World. That is exactly what it is. Um, and they even they weren't even shy about it in the original park in uh, Osaka or wherever that there was a big closed gate with the fucking DK logo on it that you yeah, could minecart rides being made. Ha <laughs> ha. Ah, ah, I got to ride the minecart ride. Oh, my God. This will be our next our next guy trip is when they finish Zelda Zelda Land or Hyrule, you know, Link's the Hyrule of whatever, you know, I can't think of a good name for it. <laughs> Hyrule Fields, whatever. Hyrule Castle, I don't give a shit. Like once it's done, that could be our that could be our 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 next major group chat trip is going to Super Nintendo World. This is Universal Orlando. So, this is the Florida one which hasn't opened are they working on Nintendo World? I mean, they have to be, right? Yeah. For this, isn't it? Isn't it open? No, the one in Hollywood's open. The one in Hollywood's open. Yeah, I think that there. I think that there is one that's going into into Florida. It's not open yet, I don't think. So, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I, I get you know tidbits here and there. I'm not deeply focusing in on <laughs> the Universal slash Nintendo crossover, but it makes me excited just because I think I. Let me think about this. Do I like Zelda more than I like Mario? I think I have a more emotional attachment to Zelda and I have more fun playing Mario. Like Mario is like basketball. I like playing basketball. We had fun shooting hoops at the beach, but I won't cry thinking about a basketball, but I will cry hearing three notes at the end of a tears of the kingdom trailer. So I think that's where I'm at with that. So I think it would be, cool and it would be warm fuzzies and i'd be smiling from ear to ear walking through uh mario's little area and like looking at coin blocks floating in midair and shit like that and going to the toadstool cafe but i think i would like big man burly weep walking through hyrule field and like seeing lon lon ranch and like hearing the music like that i think that's where i would be there (laughs) yeah uh, I did a quick Google and uh, it's gonna open in orlando mario is gonna open in orlando in 2025 um so oh, if wow. they are if they're cl- estimated there's no like solid release date, but that's like right the the estimate so if they're closing down you know uh, islands of adventure now 
two years to maybe have them open concurrently or do like a one-two punch with it. Um, yeah, stagger. Or are they going to just not ever do Hyrule in Hollywood either? Is it going to be like you can only get it in Orlando, which is a little atypical, I would think. But Yeah, I'm not sure what the sort of precedent is there. I think Universal has specific uh, theme attractions that are only in set locations. So I wonder if Nintendo would be, would be those assholes to say, Hey, Osaka gets Donkey Kong, uh, universe like Florida gets Zelda. And then what would, what would be their other big, biggest IP? They're not going to do Pokemon. I think that's too not under their, their control for them to actually incorporate it into a, a theme park. But what would be their next big thing? Would it be Kirby? Kirby in LA Kirby or a, or a Yoshi specific, like a Yoshi's Island. Yeah. I think, I mean, Donkey Kong obviously is related to Mario. Like there's lineage there, but I think Yoshi is too close to, to Mario to be like that distinct and also not as popular as Kirby. Even I think there would be a benefit to have a more distinct property to coincide with Mario. It seems like they've doubled down on Mario Kart being the ride. Like that is the thing, which makes sense because that is the big, that is the big game in the franchise is Mario Kart. That could mean if they did Kirby in Los Angeles, we could get Kirby's air ride <laughs> or uh gourmet race. Ah, oh, gourmet race. Yeah. <laughs> it's running around. <laughs> Just being chased by trumpets. I just want to pick up these little milk bottles and hamburgers. Oh, oh, oh. Now I'm just thinking about the, uh, the, the mini games and forgotten land where you're, you're, you're making the, the food for the customers or you're, you're fishing. That game's so good. Yeah. Forgotten land's great. Great game. Top 100. I think that's, that's all we've got for, uh, for this week. Unless you've got any more little things if you wanted to give any updates into your Hades journey I know you've been teasing talking about it fully I mean you basically talked about it fully at this point so I don't know if you have anything to, to add there no I'll, I'll gather my thoughts to well we can't do it next week I'll 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 gather my thoughts but I I am functionally <laughs> I have I've complete the game to the level in which I feel like I've I've gotten everything that I need to converse about it i'm sort of grinding for platinum at this point doing like a run here or there just to like move a couple dialogic options forward and trying to get the last like legendary boons and duo boons from the olympians which are kind of a big pain in the ass to grind because so much of it is rngs related uh and so i'm kind of like well if i if i've maxed all of my like character affections that i could communicate with before i get those i think i'm done but hopefully i'll i'll hit those before i hit the others so that i could be like okay i did it like it, it, it's platinum as far as i'm concerned uh no i don't know i don't think i need to to do any any real updates just really enjoyed chatting news both true and potentially true Right on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same. I just been still playing Moonlighter. Uh, it is still a nice time. This is not breaking into my top 100 or our top 100. Um, it is a bit thin as I keep playing it. It, once you get through a dungeon, you kind of see like that's the loop. And that's a little bit, I wouldn't say disappointing. So it's not like I had a big promise of this game being fantastic or 10 out of 10 or anything, but it does make me wish that they had iterated on this idea because this came out 2018 
And the studio has put out several games since then, not necessarily in the same sort of genre or style. So, I mean, for an indie studio, it's hard to uh, double down on an idea unless it's wildly successful. So that makes sense. But something I did do is I was listening to the soundtrack as I was playing, as one does. I'm like, man, this music sounds so familiar. This totally reminds me of a game I played last year, Death's Door. I was like, I wonder who composed this. And I look it up and it's the same composer as the guy from Death's Door. Yeah, so, you do this all swish. the time. You've got such a fucking ear for it. Like when you're like, oh, Pluck, yeah, I think it's the guy. It sounds like the guy who did uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer on the NES. And I'm like, just like, how the fuck do you, how do you even know that? Like, wh- who knows that? <laughs> uh, sickos know that, I guess. It, it's a vibe. But if you hear this music and you hear Death's Door music, you would, you would make that connection too. And... That's still a game that I want you to play. So you would get a huge kick out of it. It is a great top-down 2D Zelda-like, and I do recommend it. Well, I do have Moonlighter. I got a physical copy at your behest at the beach, uh, and I've done a, a couple runs. I've started making some money, started putting some improvements in. I'm kind of like alternating, toggling runs. So I'll like do a run in Hades, and then I'll like do a dungeon run and a sail loop uh, in Moonlighter, and then save, and then like do a run in Hades, and just like bounce back and forth and kind of running out of time before I head back up to Anchorage and it's, you know, just basically Zelda all summer and whatever else I want to play on the switch. So yeah, I think it's some PlayStation games I could reasonably beat in like three or four weeks. Yeah. When are you going back up there? Uh, May 17th. It's like just about a month. Oh damn. Yeah. You're going to be playing tears of the kingdom on the, the flight up there. Yeah. I most definitely will be doing that. Uh, get my little OLED turbo kickstand whipped out on the, on the flight. And I remember playing, I don't know if I told this story on the podcast, but you know, got Zelda launch day, uh, which I think was a Tuesday. I don't know why I know that, but nope, it was a Thursday night Thursday. Okay. Why well, I had the T right. I was close. Um, uh, and I think, <laughs> I think Friday. No, that weekend, I don't remember which day, I flew down to uh, Santa Maria to audition actors for at PCPA for the first season of Penguin Productions, and I had my Switch out on the flight, propped up with the little kickstand, the shitty little flippy kickstand, uh, playing Breath yep. of the Wild, and uh, the flight sets are coming by and, like, you know, giving us our, like, pretzels and drinks or whatever, and he, like hands you know over to the person in the uh, the middle seat and the the uh the window seat and he kind of hands me behind and he looks and he's like is that what i think it is i'm like yeah and he's looking and he's like wow wow that wow that's that's wow that's really cool it was just like fucking floored (laughs) and then a couple a couple weeks later i'm like riding the bus into uh portland I was still teaching at the the Northwest Children's Theater at that point, and I have it. You know, I got my headphones in, and I'm like sitting on the window, and somebody comes in, and he like sits down next to me, and he kind of looks over, and then looks over again, and goes, "Oh my god, it looks so much better than I thought it was going to look in handheld." He's like, "That's just incredible." People just like gawking at this switch <laughs> out in the wild because it was so hard to get, and like we had waited so yeah. long. And anyway, it was brand new. Yeah, that was cool. I remember. Uh, I don't remember how long after the switch came out. It was at least several months because I think I was playing. What was that? Uh, Mario and Rabbids kingdom battle. And that came yeah, out in like yeah. August. I want to say, and I had uh, driven my mom to the dentist because she was going to get some um, anesthesia. So she couldn't drive back. So I 
uh, dropped her off and I was waiting in the waiting room and uh, this lady came in with her son and her son was getting dental work done. So he went back to with his dentist and she like was like looking at the switch. She's like, oh, I heard about that thing. Is it fun? I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> like she was like, I think my son wants it. But I don't know if he's getting good enough grades or something. Like, I mean, it, was, it was summertime, so it wasn't talking about grades, but something like along those lines, yeah, you know, just yeah. like shitty little small talk with a stranger. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's funny. I wasn't expecting this interaction to happen just at the waiting room in the dentist. But yeah. So it goes. <laughs> we were good ambassadors for the brand in the early days. Oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, brand ambassador. Anyway, thank you for listening and for joining me on this recording, Chris, and uh, oh, yeah. our listeners back at home. If you like listening to us and you want to hear us talk about the shit you have to say, you can reach us at feedback at consulcrusade.com. You can shoot us an email and we'll we'll talk about it on, on the air. And uh, maybe you can prompt us with some hot discussion, just like the the robot did last week. Yeah, please. Um, I haven't even checked the email. Please email us. What if we got an email? Someone email <laughs> us, please. I would love to to be prompted. I'm just betting. Nope, we've got WordPress uh, ads. So it seems like EJ's been putting in the work. Good for him. <laughs> EJ, thank you for editing this if you edit it. And if you don't, then uh, thank you, Nick, for editing this. Nick is me. <laughs> Console Crusade podcast. I didn't do it. I didn't say the thing. Console Crusade sleepcast or like something where I'm like trying to end the show. Like I didn't do it. <laughs> Some shitty pithy remark. Well, I mean, we only recorded for an hour and 40 minutes, so that's like an hour and a half chopped down. Well, yeah, I'm just self-conscious about it now. Yeah.